Hey there, you filthy animals. It is motherfucks sucking dicks and licking ladies. <laughs> Hey there, you filthy animals. It is Caleb, James, and Spencer, the Moroccan Love Machine <laughs> Church. What's going on there, Spencer? Uh, same old, same old, man. Just happy to finally get back to doing this after our hiatus that they won't realize that we've actually been on. <laughs> For those have, who have been listening to the previous episodes, those are all old episodes we recorded over a year ago, I think, yeah. some of them. Because we kind of just been fucking off. But we decided we need to get back into it, bought all this equipment, and did a bunch of cool shit with the website, so probably should take it more seriously. Yeah, you know, get, get our shit together a little bit. You yeah, know? so we actually set it up proper, got, uh, went through the proper channels, and now we have an actual podcast, not just YouTube podcast, which we had for a month there. But uh, today's episode, I think, will be a doozy. We are going to go, unlike the previous episode, which is Fifty Shades of Grey, Sex readings. This one will be a little more professional. We're going with uh, Neil Gaiman's top 12 writing tips. I think these will be pretty decent. Uh, just, I mean, I think he knows what he's doing, so... He might. I mean, he has some some good books. Before we get into the writing tips, though, I just finished reading American Gods, and I thought it was excellent, but I did have a conversation with a writer buddy of mine, and I wanted your take on this. All right. Because I, I talked to him about Neil Gaiman before I... Because I read Nick Sandman and stuff as comics, yeah. but I yeah. haven't read yeah. his actual I'm novels. Like, yeah, I haven't read any of his actual novel work, just his a good bit of his comic stuff. Well, my buddy, uh, he read a bunch of his work. Surprisingly, not American Gods, but like all his other stuff. And his consensus was Neil Gaiman is a good writer, but he's only good at like mytho- not necessarily mythology stuff, but doing stories that are already out there. Like, retelling mythology stories and things like that. I mean, you haven't read American Gods, but yeah. when I read it, it's very original, but at the same time, it has to do with gods and the retelling of pretty much all the gods. Because he has African gods, Norse gods, American gods, like the Indian gods. And he goes through parts where he just tells their individual stories, but he does it from like their perspective. So, for instance... He had an African story where there's uh, the people that believe in an African god, and when they brought got brought over on the slave ships, they brought that god, the idea of that god with them, and he tells kind of that god's story through them. So it's an original story, but the gods exist, like, as folklore already. Yeah, but I mean, he's not the only one who's done that, especially, like, with, you know, gods, and I mean... And I'm pretty sure we mentioned this before. There's only so many kind of stories you can tell. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's Every just story's how been you, told. It's just how you tell it. So, just going by that logic, how where would you rate a guy like that? Because his when I started American Gods, I thought it was more of a Stephen King style, like just his prose. But then it got a lot more literary, and it was just really well done. So the writing's not the problem. But unlike an Alan Moore who goes really, really deep. Yeah. I felt his straddled that perfect line where it's engaging to your casual reader as well as people that are more into like classic literature. Like he's really good at telling stories, but at the same time, is it just other stories? Like how would he do telling a completely original story that's not based on any other 
characters or because even like the Sandman stuff, those yeah. were a retelling his yeah. version of classic mythological characters. That's going to be a hard argument to discuss too, considering how neither one of us like that's between the both of us. That's the only story that we've read. Because I've always thought of Neil Gaiman as more of like a fantasy kind of author. That's what I thought. Anyway, though, I just I just kind of wanted your opinion on how you thought what you thought, but you probably need to read. more. Yeah, I got to at least read one of his. Yeah, his actual novels. But like I said, he does an excellent job with what he does, and I mean, if that's his not necessarily gimmick, but if that's his genre, or how would you say it, his uh, wheelhouse? Yeah, then why would you get out of it? When you said more literary you were making the comparison to Stephen King he's definitely not the literature Stephen King's not the literature type Neil Gaiman seems like the guy like he'll write something and it might have this poignant meaning and poetry behind it to where like then Stephen King's like and he was hanging from the roof with his guts hanging out like yeah Stephen King's just a literal writer he'll just tell you I mean he, he puts the image in your head but if somebody's you know, gets fucked in the ass with a jackhammer. He's a, you know, they get mm. fucked in the ass with a jackhammer. Yeah. But Neil Gaiman, there will be a reason behind yeah. it. There's some kind of symbolism. He's getting fucked in the ass with a jackhammer because the construction business that he worked for yeah. went under and they get, the just j- has layers. The jackhammer belonged to somebody that he fucked over. Or yeah. Something. Now uh, he's being fucked by the jackhammer. Yeah, so a lot of his, his work is like that. Cause like, I'm sure if I read American Gods over again, I would find a lot more things I miss now that I know the story. Because when you first start, I mean, he does it in a way it doesn't get confusing. But still, there's some parts you're like, what the hell is happening exactly? Which is kind of why I'm interested to see the show now. I want to see what they do with that. Because a lot of the stuff they show, like the gods, and he kind of goes to this other world when he falls asleep. Like, I guess the world of the gods. And that seems really cool, but probably really hard to do. Yeah. Like, he ends up climbing, like, a mountain of skulls. (laughs) Fights a Thunderbird or some crazy shit. But anyway, we're rambling here. So let's get on to the actual topic. Um, I found this cool article on his writing tips. Like we were saying, I, I really liked his writing style. I didn't, when I first started, I thought it was going to be kind of over. Well, no, I thought it was going to be uh, more overhyped. Because I always hear what a good writer he was. And I thought, when I and started reading it. Him living up to the expectation. Yeah, and when I started reading, like, the first couple chapters, it just seemed basic. But then I think he, it was just a way to get the casual reader roped in. Which is a good strategy. But uh, his first tip... On the, what, what is this? I don't want to give a shout out to whoever this is. StandoutBooksPublishingServices.com. So StandoutBooks.com is where I found this article if anybody's interested. I'll put it in the show notes. His first tip is, which I think is a very, very important thing for people to remember because a lot of writers fail to do this, and it's don't wait for inspiration. Yes. Because a lot of people, and I've been, I've had oh. this problem myself in the past where if I don't feel necessarily inspired to write, I'll just put it off until I do. And sometimes I go for weeks and weeks. Yeah. I mean, eventually you just won't fucking write at all. Yeah, you just won't. You never will get the urge to, especially the long. The longer you put it off for, the harder it's going to be for you to get back into it. Which is kind of procrastination with, you know, with anything. If you put it off, the longer you put it off. Depending on what it is, like going to the gym, for instance, I was just that's gonna, one of the things if you put off, you might, you probably just won't go. That's what I'm going to say. That's what uh, I'm going to be trying to, because uh, fi- I'm myself right now in a bit of a slump trying to find my way back into the swing of things. And I've been mentally trying to look at it as, as writing as 
working out and just like say you um would bench pressing you want to if you have to you you start out really light you know you work do, your way up to you them. do a couple you know reps that are at a lighter so you know you know you might want to just try to try to do uh cut like a couple hundred words to just start you off and then slowly build a base that gets you up to a higher word count and then once you get to that plateau you can kind of stay there and will become more of um you know your steady output and hopefully be able to stay at that at that output right and just build that consistency because that's what's important because most writers they one thing that causes them to fail is a lack of consistency yes which i had a problem with too for a while where i would get into a good writing maybe even a solid month every day just writing and doing my work and then holidays come up or have to go out to do a couple things too tired from work just whatever it is it starts to build up you i'll skip one day i'll be all right well, you know what? I could skip two days. I'll just get back. Well, you know what? I'll take the weekend off. I'll start on Monday fresh. And then you just keep doing that and doing that, and you end up not accomplishing anything. And you have, you have to stay diligent because then if you get, like, to that higher word count, you know, something that you're comfortable doing, and then you're like, oh, well, I've, I've done this for a good, you know, couple weeks. I'm kind of ahead of the game a little bit. I can afford to coast or relax a little bit. No, you have to keep your, you know, your foot It's like a professional seat. athlete. You have to keep pushing or you'll stagnate and you'll just start to fail. <laughs> I mean, how many times have you heard, like, writers who even, like, on their vacation, they're still like, well, you know, I did a couple hundred words here or there. And it's like, it's supposed to be, that's supposed to be your vacation, dude. Like, it, that's supposed to be your yeah. relaxed time, but you still... Well, well, that brings up a good point, too, is you can't get burnt, just like anything else, you can get burnt out on writing. I mean, that that's the delicate, That's that's the type wire that you're walking you don't want to overdo yourself to the point to where you get burned out on it and you can't feel like you do anything at all but you have to do enough so you're getting whatever projects you are working you know done and can move on to the next product and all you always got to be producing like yeah and the main way to do that is you just have to make the time to write so whether that'll be first thing in the morning before you go to work or in the afternoon a lunch break whatever it is you just have to make that time to write even if it's just a couple hundred words even if like say if you can't get a good um you know i'd like to have a good two solid hours just where i can divert myself to writing chances are you're not going to be able to do that so if you get like 20 minutes here you know and then a couple hours later, you can get yourself like another half an hour. You got to take advantage of those little spots. Yeah. And then that added together can equal out. You can get a good, you know, a good amount of words on it in 30 minutes if you're, you know, if you're putting in the effort properly. That is especially good for, for instance, people with kids or people that work more than one job. Anyone, if you just, you have a hard time making that time just for whatever reason, because real life gets in the way all the time. While it's a good idea to set a specific writing routine, if you can work every evening for two hours and that's not going to ever be a problem, more power to you. But also, like you said, some people just can't do that, so you have to make those little, catch those little windows. You get a 15-minute break at work or something, instead of going out smoking or talking to people or something, use that to write, even if it's just on your phone. Or you can hit up a cafe on your way home and where you're not in your, because while it's good to have a comfort zone, that can also be a hindrance. So if you could only write at your desk at home, well, you're not going to get work done if you're no. not at home at your desk. So maybe stop at a cafe on your way home, sit down in 10 minutes. 
uninterrupted and you're going to work there because you don't have any real distractions necessarily no real world distractions especially if you have kids or something bothering you that's just that's a good way to go about it is just make those little windows and then over time even just a week say you can only fit 10 minutes a week well that's still 70 minutes a week if you do 10 minutes a day anything's better than nothing yes so my, my biggest tip too if i was a famous writer would also be don't wait for inspiration just write. Sit down and write. Because like Stephen King said, amateurs wait for inspiration. Professional writers just sit down and write. Yes. You just go to work. And that's the best way to handle it. So no matter what time you can get, even if it's only two minutes, that's better than nothing and that's progress. Because the last thing you want to do is just stagnate. Which kind of brings back the point you were saying earlier about how, say, you get to that thousand word a day limit or something. Like you built yourself up to that. But if you don't try to push beyond that, you're just doing the thousand words a day. That, that, that'll become your new bare minimum. Like I had that problem for a while where I would write maybe 300 words in a day or something. And it got to the point where I would almost kind of be procrastinating on my writing. So say I had a story I wanted to work on, but I just kind of wasn't feeling it. I would well, as long as I knock out the 300 words, that's good. And while that's progress... It would take forever to finish that work. It's not enough progress. Yeah, so you still, you always want to find that balance of enjoying your work, but also it's still work. So you have, you have to put that, you know, the effort forward. Yeah, because I'd imagine most people who want to be doing this want to have, want this to take over their actual job. So therefore, yeah, that'd be the dream. So therefore you need to cheat it like your actual job. The main failure of most aspiring writers are, is just that they don't put forth the effort. Like they think they're putting forth the effort, but they're really not utilizing all their spare time that they could be using or they make excuses and they're not consistent enough. You really just have to sit down. And even bad writers I've seen get a good following like on the indie market because they're consistent. They're always putting some, something out. Yeah, I've seen some people... A good example would be uh, for any of the folks that ever followed the Dead Robot Society. The one writer on there, Terry, st- I mean, he started off kind of uh, writing short stories and things like that. But he got to the point where I think he knocks out like a book every three months or a month yeah, or something they, crazy. Yeah. But apparently they're pretty decent because he has a good following. And I think he said he made like six figures last year from writing. That's pretty wild in my yeah. opinion. Just And he's an indie author. He does his all, I think he does his own editing, or, I mean, he might hire an editor now, but just the point is, he was able to get that following mainly because he was consistent. Because even if you're not um, a Neil Gaiman level writer, you can still find, say, 500 people that really like your work. Yeah. As with any writer, you might only have a handful of people that really follow your work, especially when you're starting out. But even that, say, even just the low end, five writers. But they spend ten bucks on your book. Yeah, that's a good chunk of change just from for your writing. I mean that that pays for some of the cover art and stuff like that. So you just keep building on that, and that kind of brings us to the next point. Uh, well, Neil Gaiman's next tip is set yourself up for success. Yeah. Now, so we're not using just our own words to interpret it. I'm going to actually read his quote here from Neil Gaiman. He says, "On the whole, anything that gets you writing and keeps you writing is a good thing." Anything that stops you writing is a bad thing. Simple enough. Yeah. If you find your writer's group stopping you from writing, then drop it. We kind of wanted to start a writing group for a while there, but we weren't able to really find anybody that would 
necessarily be consistent with what we wanted, you know, the weekly meetings and things like that. And I know a lot of people that get into writing groups, their main complaint is it ends up turning into a big, uh, like, critique orgy. Yeah. You're just criticizing people's work and you're going back and forth. And even though it might be helpful, you're not fucking working anymore. That I figured it, it would either be that, because I've never been in, you know, but I figured it'd either be that or it'd just be a, a huge, like, just so good jerk of, oh, your stuff is really good. No, your stuff is really you're good. You're so good. Yeah. Walk, 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 yeah. walk, walk, squirt on the chin. <laughs> like Chuck Polinick said, he was in a writer's group. He was in it for years, and I think he probably had pretty famous, I don't know if they're famous, but pretty popular writers, in the, at least in the literary world, in that group. One of the problems he had with it, he ended up having to quit the writers' group because with the just the way like with the changing times, like his work is pretty raunchy, and some of the stuff he wrote was a little too extreme and made people upset. And so you'll have that. What if your work upsets somebody in the group that has different political, religious, sexual views, whatever yeah. it may be? Then you, they might get offended by your work, and now you're writing for somebody who is not even your target audience. Um, and he used an example of another writer in his group. She wrote something that was kind of graphic, but very poignant to the story. The people in the group kind of said that you would never get published with that and made her end up taking it out. So would you want to be in a group where they're stunning your work or your creative vision? I would say that's definitely a hard no for me. Yeah. Because yeah. while there is good criticism out there and maybe you do go too far on something, you don't want to base, you want to base kind of your writing around the audience's view to a degree, but you definitely don't want them controlling your creative image. Yeah, because at that point, you're, you're writing for them more than yourself. yourself. No matter what they say, you want to write for yourself first. You want to have your audience in mind, but definitely your first draft is for you. It's your story. It's your vision. And you want to tell it the way you want to tell it. You don't want somebody micromanaging your opinion. And that's what I feel a lot of like writers groups and things like that end up becoming. Micromanaging your work. Or telling you how you should do your work as if it was their work. And you definitely don't want that. And just going back to the success aspect of it. I mean we're just using the writers group as an example. But that translates to any aspect of your life. Say you have a significant other who hates the fact that you write for whatever reason. Yeah. You're not spending time with that person or whatever it is that irritates them about it. They just don't like you doing it. What do you do? Do you give up your dream of writing? I mean, it gets tricky too because what if that person's a perfect fit for you in every other way but that one detail? But then again, they're not willing to compromise on what you enjoy. Do you want them around or not? But that's the thing with success. Sometimes you have to make sacrifice. Yeah. Whether it be people, jobs, things. I mean, some people have said that if you want something bad enough, you have to be willing to hit rock bottom in your life to get go for it. I mean, I don't know how I'd feel about having to sleep on a park bench to be a writer. That'd be yeah. a little extreme. But at the same time, I, I get the, you know, the point they're making. Like, what would you think would be something you would just not be willing to give up, you know, for your dream of writing? Like, you just, uh, like, say I, say you had to quit your job to become a writer. Would you do that? Like, would you be willing to maybe struggle for a little while? I wouldn't mind doing that if, like, say if I completed, like, uh, like a, a book or something. And, like, the first book got it out there and saw that it had some, like, very minor success. Like, 
you know, a couple people bought it. Had it had some merit. People enjoyed yeah. it. I mean, it wasn't then, a bestseller, but it was decent. Yeah. Then maybe I, that's when the consideration would have to, like, now I couldn't because I'm not able to... Well, yeah, it'd be produce. ridiculous yeah. now if you're not... But, like, if... I think, like, if I could find myself where I could... If I'm building an, enough of an, a niche audience and putting out the workflow that... I can finish things to get to them, then yes. Now, granted, my I'm gonna be a little biased because I can't fucking stand my job. Yeah, and it would be it would do anything just to not have to work there. Period. So yeah, like if I could give that up and just be focused full time writing, well then yeah, I would. But well, look at it from this aspect. What if you weren't an established writer, but say you written your first novel, you've been shopping it around to different publishers, and be real, you're probably going to get a shitload of rejections yeah. just because you're a no-name in the writing industry. But what happens if you do get a hit and a public, like a decent publisher wants to give you $10,000 advance, finish that book, during it, maybe give you a book deal for three books in the future, but the catch is now you have to really focus yeah. on the writing. Are you going to be able to work that full-time job or would you maybe just even well, cut the part-time? I said, well, you maybe, yeah, I was going to say maybe with the, the move is at first go down to less hours so you still have some kind of income plus like in the advance yeah. if they give you the advance or whatever. Well, you have to be, you have to be real here. Nobody's going to be able to just, unless you have a really good job and you have a crazy severance package or whatever it is, you know, decent amount of savings, you're not going to be able to just quit your job. Yeah. Even if you had that first hit of success, you because writing is not a stable career. Well, and then you also like the, I mean, and I, this is something you know people might not think about, but I always is a forefront in my mind uh, because with my own personal issues is like healthcare, like yeah, you can't you, just not have it. Yeah, you you need that, or if you have kids, you know, you need to have be able to you know to watch over your family and stuff like that so maybe if you're able to you know cut down you know not work a full 40 hour week but maybe be able to work like a a 32 hour week and still keep your your benefits and your health care and like so that's like a a no another day off that you can maybe commit that whole day to writing once a week no matter what Plus, whenever you can fit it in throughout the rest of the week. And hopefully that would make you more serious about it, too. A good example of sacrifice for your dream and success would be like a J.K. Rowling. Because like everyone knows she started out, she was on welfare. She yeah. I think living in a trailer, about to be evicted and stuff. But she didn't give up her dream. She kept shopping around, shopping around. And then obviously she became like the first female writer billionaire or something mm-hmm. crazy. You definitely have to be willing to sacrifice if you want the success and the main way to do that is just to drop the things that aren't going to benefit you in the writing world or in your, in your dreams there. Like I said before, I may use a spouse as an example or a writing group as an example that affects you negatively, but it really could be anything. It could be, um, maybe something, something else you like, but not as much. Say you like playing, uh, in a football, like a tag football yeah. game or something. Or, or like, uh, Fucking like video games of the devil of trying to get anything productive done. Yeah, things that are just are wasting your time. And even though you really enjoy them, that's not going to benefit your future career that you have in, in you know in your mind. You might have to drop them. I mean, it's a sacrifice, but 
if it's if you're really serious, that's one you have to make. Hopefully, making that sacrifice, and you then get to the point later on where you get a success, you know, you're successful enough to where then you might be able to pick those things back up. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean, like. You know, you might not be able to do it for a couple of years, but then you have a couple of books under your belt. You got yourself a good writing work schedule down and, you know, you're making more money off this. And then you can maybe go back to your flag football league yeah, once or you, whatever. Once then, once you get your following and base set underneath of you steady enough. And another thing about setting yourself up for uh, success, and I mean, it's not all about sacrifice, too. It's about... Like we were talking before, like the positive habits you're building, the preparation, making the writing time, things like that. You have to set yourself up to succeed. Like we used before, waking up a little earlier just to get some writing done, make that a routine or a habit. Just different things like that. You have to set yourself up to succeed. And the only way to do that is to build, just jumping right into it, saying, oh, I'm going to be a full-time writer and just quitting everything. Like That's not going to work. No. You're, you're going to fucking burn and fall and just become a giant pile of rubble anyway so the third tip he has here is don't edit immediately this is one you that have i trouble. struggle you have with trouble with this all the time i struggle to this goddamn day i try not to go back as i write and edit because it takes so much longer i have been doing better lately mainly is because i've been going more by the uh the hemingway style of writing where i will keep things short and to the point, and so I'll write my first draft that way now, instead of having some complex uh, sentence full of imagery and stuff like that, I'll keep it short and sweet and just get the get the story out, yeah. is the most important thing, because that's one of the things I used to have a trouble with, is I'd have so much detail in my mind, and I just want to release that on the yeah. page, but no, that's not the way to do it, that's for editing. Get, get that first draft done. Yeah, so if it's, the cat bit the man... The man's ass hurt because the cat bit him. He fucking kicked the cat, and then the cat scratched him. That's fucking caveman talk. But just, if that's what you gotta do, just get that out. Don't go back and change. Don't, well, the cat's fur stood up on end, and its claws, like, daggers risen from the hell, dug into his fucking eye socket. Like, you don't have to go into that much detail. He scratched his eye out. Just get it out there. And then, what? Sorry about that, folks. I don't know if you heard that, but my dog went on a ridiculous squeaking spree in the background. I had to pause things for a moment. I completely forgot what I was talking about, which is a perfect segue just to go to the next tip. Yeah. Um, oh, we're talking about don't edit him immediately. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. I don't. I don't know if you have trouble with that ever. Not. Not normally. I. I probably have the the opposite effect of not doing enough editing. You don't pay attention. You just like, get... like I like I get the the the, uh, the first story down, and then like I go over to it and like fix it. All the the spelling and grammar errors that just riddle it, and then add <laughs> a little bit. And then normally I'm like, hey Caleb, how's this look like? And then you you know you uh give me some ideas and trying to punch it up a little bit or a little bit more detail right. or things. But my always things like that oh, first one's good enough. That's good. Yeah, that's Move not on gonna, to the next. That's not going to work at all in your favor if you no. work with a professional editor. They'll just shit right in your face. Yeah, big what steamy diarrhea shit right in your face and tell you to fuck right off and never talk to you again. And then you're blacklisted from the industry. And then you have to write fuck fiction. And then probably make five thousand million, you know, $500 million in the, the movie industry because apparently 
Fuck fiction is where it's at. <laughs> I, which I think should be the new term for, for that. Like, fuck fiction? Yeah. <laughs> fuck fic. I think it should be a course in high school. Here's something I, uh, to get completely off topic, not off topic of the fuck fiction, but off the yeah. list here. I saw, I did not get involved, because if I do get involved in these top or conversations, it was on Twitter, I somehow always end up on the wrong end. Yeah. Not because of my opinions, but just because I try to think of things more logically. There was a debate going on about people don't respect ro- the romance genre, even though it's like, might be actually the highest paid genre, and, uh not respecting, like, romance writers. Which I completely agree with that. A lot of people don't respect romance writers, and there's a lot of great romance writers. Yeah. I mean, I don't read the genre myself, but I've read excerpts and things like that, and a lot of them have beautifully written stories. But a lot of the popular ones, your E.L. James, Fifty Shades of Grey, come on. Yeah. Like, that's where I always go on the slope is, yeah, but, I mean, I guess you could do that with any kind of well, fiction you look at say, the top person and they might suck ass isn't like the nicholas sparks isn't he a big like romance and most of his stuff like romance yeah like, kind of but i don't know how good of a writer he is because i've never written it or, i mean i've never read it i mean i'm just saying as i'm sure he's better than the 50 states great chick like you know what i mean i would I'm, have to think i'd have to hope i'm pretty sure like an illiterate uh, fucking gold prospector in the mm-hmm. 1800s was a better writer than her. Well, it actually might be possible that a lot of the Civil War era guys could... You ever read some of those old letters? No. So, oh, my dearest James, the wind beneath my wings and the times have changed. It's like, Jesus. And that's just a normal, like, a person. I can't be like a writing cursive that's readable. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, oh, that, my God. Like... Those guys with the second grade education were penning Goddamn uh, literary masterpiece. And they didn't have a pen, mind you. It was a feather <laughs> yeah. dipped in black ink that they probably squeezed out of a squid. Yeah. <laughs> it might just be tar. Like, just who'd... tar or their own blood. Yeah. Or the blood of their enemies, maybe. I don't know how any of my checks don't automatically just get tossed because how bad my signature is that, you know. Well, you know what I'm wondering? What about the kids now where they don't even teach cursive anymore? I mean, I can tell you now, other than my name, I have hard trouble remembering what certain, like, letters are cursive. I can honestly say I don't remember what a Z looks like. (laughs) Right? It's like, I think it's this weird, like, (laughs) there's a loop at one end. I I don't know. Apparently, for the last 15 years on my uh, rent check, I've been writing the F wrong, or the uh, T wrong, rather. So, I... (laughs) Like, I write the T as the F, I think. Or maybe vice versa. I still don't know. I looked it up, and I forget because I don't give a fuck. Because who reads that? <laughs> Nobody. Are you allowed... I always was taught you're not supposed to print on the money part of the check. Like, when you say it's, you know, $155, you're yeah. supposed to write out $150. Can you print that? I don't know. I mean, well, who the fuck No, that's what checks? I do. Yeah, no, I you print... You print the, the... Yeah, and then, like, who it's to, I print. Well, you print the who it's to... But I always was always tired, supposed to write out. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I write it out. But in cursive. Oh, no, not in cursive. Well, I'm just fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do that in print. And then, you know, you put the number in the little box, and then I sign my name at the bottom. What the fuck are you writing checks for? I, that fucking... Hookers don't take checks. <laughs> Some do. Uh, around here, maybe. Oh, massive medical bills and car payments and... What the hell do you pay things for? This is America. You're not supposed to actually pay off debt. Yeah, well, you know. Okay. So we were talking about something. 
uh, the editing. Yeah, don't just just don't do it. Yeah. Here, here's here's our awful advice: to don't ever edit ever. No. Never ever never ever ever. As Outcast says, never ever. Never, never. <laughs> just don't do it. Never, Le- ever. Leave that for the editor. He will love the fact. That you sent him a manuscript that wasn't even glanced over. And, and and if you feel bad about it, just figure you're paying him a shit ton of money. Make him work for it. You know what? That is a very good point. If I was spending $2,000, $3,000 on a professional editor, I'm not going to go over it five times myself. Yeah. I mean, how mad would you be if you spent that money, that much money on an editor and you got it back and he's like, oh, that's pretty good. Pretty damn good. I mean, it would be nice to have that professional opinion for it and stuff like that, but then you're just like, God damn, I just wasted two grand for nothing. Like, nothing at all. Well, if you're an indie publisher, that's a problem. If you are a uh, going through a publishing house, I'm, assu- I'm obviously not a published author through a publishing house, but I assume they just assign you an editor I, and they pay them. That's what I would assume, or if, like, you, there was an editor that you liked within that, like, you know, like, I'm pretty sure, like, the Stephen King's The New Game is they probably have editors that they enjoy working with. Oh, yeah, you have to, because, because editors also input their own ideas into it, too, and, I mean, you don't have to include them, but you're gonna want their opinion, and you their don't want feedback. the opinion of just some random old guy, you, like, you want somebody that you can actually work with, and also, just a note to any editors out there who are listening to this. I apologize if you get a slew of uh, really <laughs> shitty manuscripts now because we just took our advice of not editing at all. We didn't think anybody would listen. Um, if you want to write angry letters, just go. Uh, you can find it at neilgaiman.com. <laughs> that's the guy that you want to send those to. Number four tip by Neil Gaiman. That's going to sound like I made a cut in the audience. I just jumped right into it. That's how we should do it from now on. Just number three and just cut right in the middle of a sentence. Number four, let yourself get bored. Hmm. Well, let's, like, bored let's read what he has to like, say first. Bored with what you're writing? Or? Let's, well, let's, okay. let's listen to the man himself. Ideas come from daydreaming. True. They come from drifting. So next time you find yourself with time to burn... Stop yourself reaching for your smartphone and let your brain remember how to amuse itself. I do that all the time. Yeah. It's called when I'm trying to fucking sleep at night and <laughs> yeah. I just sit there for two hours laying in the bed just pissed off because I can't sleep because my brain is making up scenarios that will never happen. Like, what if I go to the bank tomorrow and somebody tries to rob me <laughs> and the only thing I have on me is my wallet. But if I throw it at a certain angle, I can hit him in the eye and save the day. Like, that stupid or, stuff. That reminds me, like, I'll be at work and I'll, like, deal, like, I'll have an interaction with this fucking, like, terrible customer or this really weird, strange person. And then I spend the rest of the day, like, how did they get there? What happened to them in their lives <laughs> that got them to that point to whenever I saw them? And could I make that entertaining or not? Like, what Like what happened there? How much drugs did that person do to cut out every three words in a sentence whenever I'm talking to him? It's amazing. That there are people like that out there that you see every day. And I have the privilege of, I drive for a living, so that's a lot of just, not I'm not on my phone, so it's a lot of kind of daydreaming time or just unfocused, just following the road, but your, your mind's not there. Yeah. So, I think of all kinds of crazy shit, and I meet the weirdest people every day, so I always you, have a story. You should probably have a, you should probably carry a little, like, pocket recorder with you. Oh, it didn't. 
have a still, phone. Uh, well, I'm just, well, I'm just saying it might be easier to, like, as you're driving, you know, you don't have to fumble for an app to, like, you yeah, know, to, to... you could just click, and then... I do, I have it, it's in my bag. I'm gonna say, because then we get... That's what we got from for, when we were doing the cons, doing interviews That we never used for anything at all. I used it for listening to the, uh, or recording panels, listening to them playback. Yeah, I guess. Well, we never interviewed anybody, because, uh... There wasn't anybody really interested to interview. Yeah. Which is a shame. Which is why I should probably go to some literary cons. Completely changing the subject. Again. <laughs> We're good for that. Yeah. Did you... I don't know if you've seen... I keep getting ads on my Facebook for uh, Pittsburgh Writers Workshop. No. No, I haven't. I looked into it. I thought that'd be a cool thing to do. And they get like uh, publishers and agents or something that look over your work and do different things like that. It's all day. It was like 160 bucks or 40 bucks or something crazy. Like, I'm not spending that just so I can have somebody tell me what they think of my work. Yeah. Like, if it was like 20 bucks or something. And, and that's just, just for like a day, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's one day. But I was reading some of the comments on there and people were very unhappy with the oh, yeah? thought of it because apparently a lot of times people steal ideas from those things. Ooh, that does seem like a problem. Yeah, I never thought about it because I always hear about people going to writer's workshop. But at the same time, those people I never see publish anything. Oh, and like that's the thing too. Like, you know, we've done previous episodes, and we will probably do more like it in the future of brainstorming, coming up with ideas. And like, if I said something that could help you out in a story, and you use it, I'm not gonna be like, "Ooh, that Caleb James, he, he took my idea." Like, you know what? This actually brought up a really good point. Uh, I had a discussion last week or the other day or something on Twitter with a couple, uh, like a handful of authors about, I brought up the topic of what do you do if you write something and then a more popular I think I saw your, media, I think I yeah, saw your tweet about more this. popular form of like a movie or a TV show or even another, like a more famous author releases that same premise or story or whatever it may be. And I was actually thinking, people thought I was talking about myself. I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't want to mention any names, but I was talking about Dirk Manning. Yes. You saw the whole Baby yeah. Snatch thing. And uh, I looked at they're getting I, all kind of trouble for that now. And yeah. I mean, just not even with his thing. He, they're getting fucking sued by multiple people. Well, the people. actual Banner Snatch books yeah. or the Choose Your Own Adventure yeah. books. Because I watched that when it first came out. And I didn't make the connection because I didn't read that particular story he wrote. But I did notice they said Nightmare World, yeah. which is the title of this story. And then when I read the article he put out about it, that is a weird connection because not only were the themes like his work, but they actually said Nightmare World. I mean, I can't say for sure if they actually jacked his work or not. But going back, my point was more along the lines of what do you do if you write a book and before you have a chance to get it published, say um, you wrote sparkling, lame-ass vampire book. And then Stephanie Myers comes out Twilight before you. Do you still release your sparkling lame ass vampire book? I, well, I think because you can't one just put it out there. You can't get sued because you have the just the dates on you. For instance, your computer or yeah. you wrote written it on like the documents. They have the dates. Like it's proof that you didn't steal yeah. the idea. So you don't have to worry about copyright infringement. But people are gonna think you still copy yeah. just because that's how people are. Well, I would say if you already have the majority of the work done. And you actually have like it lined up to where you might be able to get it published. Do it because a or maybe if you have time, maybe you can retool it so it's a little bit different. But then, especially like with like the example you just gave with shitty sparkly vampires, 
when that came out, you could probably have maybe rode the coattails of that and got other, you know, tween girls who were looking for that. Yeah, if you want to go come to your road. work, I mean, it's maybe not the most, like... Ethical. Ethical, or, like, what you were immediately were hoping to happen, but, I mean, to sell, you know, the... You gotta sell, sell stories, like, you know, that's the business you're in. You might be able to siphon off some of those people... Or like The Walking Dead when it got when it got big and that TV show blew everything up. came out zombies. Yeah, so well, one of the authors she told me that a story or a book she had published, like a TV show came out right around the time, or I think it was a movie came out around the time that actually used the same story pretty much and character names. Wow! And there was no way they could have stole it from her because she didn't release it just yet. Yeah. And she ended up releasing hers anyway because, like I said, as long as you have the dates and stuff to prove there's no copyright infringement. And she didn't want to retool or change the story, which you kind of have to respect, but that puts you in such a weird situation because that, that happens a lot, actually. Especially when, like you said, there's only so many story ideas out there. Especially when you're on the lower part of the totem pole when it comes to that kind of stuff. You If you haven't made a name for yourself, like... Yeah, so, I mean, and then just even even if you are a more known author, a movie's always going to trump a book, usually. Yeah. Just in regards of attention. More people watch movies, so it, I, just, I don't know what I would do. I, I thought to myself, what would I do if I put my heart and soul for a whole year into a book? I, I had it, edited it, you know, it was perfect in my eyes, just what I wanted to release, shopping it around, maybe even gets picked up by somebody, and then a fucking, a movie by, uh... Michael Bay. I was gonna say, who does the shitty Transformers, <laughs> Michael Bay comes out, and he uses your idea and does a real shit job of it, people yeah. are gonna look at your book and they read it, like, oh, this is like that shitty Michael Bay movie, and just dump it, like, that would be, oh, that'd be such a kick in the nuts. That, that, that boils my blood. Let's go to the next Let's go to the next tip. That's an interesting one. Number five, seek feedback. Here's my opinion on it. As we were saying with critique groups and writing groups and things like that, you definitely want feedback that helps you grow as a writer. And you need to be able to accept criticism of your work. Because a lot of people take things too personally. They, they, they take critiques on their work as a personal attack and you shouldn't do that yeah somebody's judging your work they're not you have to think when you read a story say there's something in it you don't like you air out your grievances just on social media or whatever you know something you're passionate about you're not actually thinking about the guy who wrote it necessarily or the lady who wrote it you're thinking more about just the story itself that's how you have to go into a critique from others is they're not critiquing you as a person they're not critiquing necessarily ideas they're critiquing like just what you've written, or maybe hopefully, how you've if, they, if, hopefully. They're not, if they're there's not being if they're not being douchebags about there's, it, yeah, there's fucking assholes out there that are gonna just, as you see in the Marvel or mainly DC movies, you'll have fucking critiques come out of the woodwork, like just critics just shitting on things, not even seeing it. Yeah, I, I want to go see the new uh, the Glass movie, you know, the Unbreakable oh, yeah. trilogy, and people were shitting on it, and it hasn't even, it wasn't even released yet. Like the critics were, ah, oh, blah blah blah, it sucks ass. But the last couple of movies they did that to, the critic rating was super high, or the viewer rating was super high, but the critic rating was real low. So yeah. what is happening out there? I well, think you have more people just wanting to hate on things than just and then, because. And then you have people who, who in those situations, who think that their opinion is worth more, maybe, and that, and like that a lot too, you get critics, people who can't do. Well, here's what infuriates me about critics. Not... Well, like you said, they, you know, they critique things they can't do. 
But that's more along the lines of uh, people who actually get paid to do it. Mm-hmm. But when you go, what you, the hell is he doing? Why does he have a gigantic ball? Okay. When you have things... Jesus. But when you have things like, especially for indie authors, or even published authors, like through traditional means, but they're not necessarily have a name like a Stephen King, when you have a Goodreads or an Amazon review section, and you have people that I've actually seen, I haven't read the book yet, but, and then they go on about some stupid thing. Like, for instance, on Amazon to go in, they didn't receive the book in the mail. They'll give it one star because they didn't receive the book. I didn't, I didn't receive it. Shitty delivery, whatever. One star. Or, like, it, it yeah, came it, to me. A, a more appropriate example is it came, it to, came me. to me damaged. Like, I received the book. It was damaged. One star. I didn't read the book. Blah, blah, blah. That's such a shitty thing to do because now people are going to see, oh, he's only got three stars on his Amazon. This must not be a good book. For something that's out of his control. Yeah, and it's not actually that person's fault at all. It doesn't have anything to do with it. And on Goodreads, I see people read the book, but they're like, I really, really don't like sci-fi. I decided to give this a try. Surprise, I didn't like it. And they give it a one star. Why would you do that? You know you don't like the genre. You know it's not going to be in your your type of book. Yet you read it, and then of course you're disappointed because you didn't like it. Because it's not... I mean, actually, it's meeting your expectations yeah. of that you didn't like it. Why would you give it a one star? Now that indie author has, again, like I said, three, two or three stars on there. Because maybe they only get ten reviews. So one star review really knocks that yeah, down. That's a, that's a, that does a lot. Yeah, and you get a couple people do that. It's such a shitty thing to do. And they don't give any kind of positive feedback. But at the same time, you get the people that will give you positive feedback. That's what you want to be able to know. Like... You have to learn it, how to accept it. And, it, and it's with the feedback, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to find people that are going to give you honest, accurate feedback of like the people that's just you. Because you have on the one end the people that are just going to shit on it no matter what. And then they're your mom or something. Yeah, they're just going to think it's great because you did it. Like, Well, here's Neil Gaiman's words on it. And I think this is actually uh, pretty applicable. Show your story to friends whose opinion you respect and who like the kind of thing that it is. So that goes with, the you know, for yeah. instance, the genre or something like that. They have to be into that or else they're probably not going to like it. For instance, uh, I had an author a couple months ago who wrote for the site. He sent me his book and I gave it a read and it was really well written. It was like a steampunk military book set in the Civil War time. That is not my genre of reading. No. So I'm not going to critique that book. I will critique the writing, which was excellent. And I could critique the story idea, which was also excellent. But at the same time, that's just not my kind of book. I can't, I, while I can recommend it for people who like that kind of stuff, I'm not going to go and say... You're not going to recommend it to like yeah. me. Yeah, I'm not going to be like, well, I didn't really like this book, Spencer, because, you know, it's not my kind of genre I like reading. And I know you don't like this stuff, but you should read it. Like, that wouldn't make sense. But if somebody likes that kind of stuff, like, you probably really mm-hmm. like this. It's very re- well written. Anyway, it continues with... Um, Remember when people tell you something's wrong or doesn't work for them. They are almost always right. When they tell you exactly what they think is wrong and how to fix it, they are almost always wrong. I got some good advice from the Dead Robot Society sometime back. Probably when they first started, you know, way, way back when. I say, because they're always, one of the big things that they're always talking about are their, like, um, readers or their uh, beta readers and... Uh... And different things yeah. like that. that. Okay, that's yeah, that's what it was. They they ship out to their beta readers who um, 
do a lot of editing and uh, not necessarily editing. They find like mistakes, continuity errors, things like that. You know, like your girl's confused. eyes are green, but later on you make them yeah. brown. Or just unclear writing to where they might not be 100% sure what's yeah. going on at the time. And, yeah. And I think it might have been Terry who came up with what I thought was a really good way of going about it. You can't just take a person's opinion on something and you can't just take like a whole, even a whole group's opinion on something because it might not. What, what he does is he kind of averages it together. So say like one guy really, really enjoyed, you know, his second paragraph or his opening paragraph, but the other guy didn't enjoy the opening paragraph for whatever reason. Well, say he gets 10 people, he kind of averaged together to find out what might be wrong with that yeah. paragraph and what's working for the paragraph. And he'll, that's how he takes the critique as more of a collection of ideas versus just a person's opinion. Yeah. So you get a collection of opinions, you kind of get the means to it. And like, I just think that's a really good way to go about it. So say you wrote a book or something and you start reading the reviews, instead of getting down on yourself for all the negative reviews, which a lot of people do, you also read the positive ones and you just find out what's working and what doesn't work. And, adjust accordingly i mean and like the negative reviews and even like when it comes to rejections of whenever you start submitting things use that as motivation like i remember in the stephen king on how to write he talked about before carrie got got you know got picked up he had like this huge stack he put on his wall yeah he literally like tacked on the wall right in front of where he was writing and just this thick pile of rejection letters who are from people who are probably kicking themselves in the dick now like <laughs> yeah because you imagine how much an old Stephen King story in a magazine's worth now like if you get that issue of that magazine yeah probably ridiculous the next tip here which is completely the opposite of our earlier tip number six edit but know when to stop I it, think this is more of like editing afterwards yes and this brings up Something that I can honestly say I don't have a problem with. I think I'm pretty good at not over-editing. Because what a lot of people do is they'll rewrite for... It. When I was in that uh, writing group that we had that project we were working on. I wrote my story in a month. Yeah, They've been working on theirs for like six months or something. But I wrote my story in a month, finished it, got it, edited it, and turned it in. And then they ended up pretty much shit in the bed with their I stories. I did anything ever happen to them? Did it just get, end up they being ended scrapped? Up, yeah, they ended up quitting and the main thing was a couple people in the group kept rewriting the fucking story over and so now over you gotta do and something. Over. You gotta do something with that story now since you... I'm probably gonna put it on the site because I submitted it to a couple ma- magazines just for shits and giggles but it's too long. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's, a, it's a pretty decent it's size. It's like 11,000 words and most magazines cut off as six or seven at most. I, I, I'm not going to be able to find a home for it, so I'll probably no. just put it on DPW. Because I really like the story. And it's, I thought good, it, it's good. I, I don't remember if I actually got around to reading the final edited version of it, but I remember what you yeah, let you me read, read the, of it. I, I, I enjoyed it. I uh, I think I did a really good job of wrapping it up. That was one of the few stories that were really long where I felt like I... Because I think it was because the time limit I had. Yeah. Because I thought they, those other people were serious. Like, again, it goes with the writing success thing. If I stuck with it and was like, hey, guys, come on, let's no, let's just work through it, keep writing stuff, I'd be in that fucking project now. Yeah. A year later, I'd still be in the project. Like, you got no one to quit. You got no one to hold them. <laughs> got no one to fold them. 
You ought to know when to do something with your scrotum. And I don't remember the rest of the words. No, that's literally, that, that's all I got. That's all I got when it comes to that song. Neil's, uh, Mr. Gaiman, I don't know. We can call him Neil. What Neil? Well, maybe people think Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh. I feel like he's more famous Neil. I'm going to go Mr. Gaiman. Mr. Gaiman. Is Gaiman or Gaiman? I believe it's Gaiman. Gaiman. See, Gaiman. I think a Ninja Gaiman, uh, Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden is the yeah. game. Yeah. I always want to say Ninja Gaiden, but it's Gaiden. And then I get Gaiman and Gaiman. Mr. Gaiman, his words on this uh, specific topic is fix it. What the fuck is that? A helicopter? Somebody landing in your in your backyard? I wonder if that'll pick up on the audio here. That is definitely a helicopter. Oh, that's a hospital helicopter. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna fix a drink while that's flying over. <laughs> So, uh, Caleb, what uh, what did Mr. Gaiman have to say about this particular subject? Well, since I was so rudely interrupted mm-hmm. by a goddamn helicopter, apparently Arnold brought the chopper earlier than <laughs> Get the, the topic, edit, but know when to stop, Mr. Gaiman, <laughs> he said, fix it, remember that sooner or later, before it ever reaches perfection, you will have to let it go and move on and start to write the next thing. Perfection is like chasing the horizon, keep moving. Well, I goddamn agree. Yeah. Yeah. 100% that's, in the topic. Pre- yeah, that's pretty solid right there. Don't rewrite to death. You have to know when to stop. You can't just keep writing and writing because it's like a painter trying to constantly fix the work. At some point, you're going to make it worse, and then it's just never yeah. going to get done. You have to know when to stop. Um, not much to say on that one. Number seven, experiment. I think that's healthy. That's what a lot of people do in college, apparently. <laughs> yes. A lot of uh, some touching. And groping and... Apparently, he said... This one doesn't have a quote attribute, so I don't know if he actually said this, but it's in blue, so maybe. just says, experiment with your writing. You don't have to show anyone the bad stuff. I like to experiment with different things I don't... Like, I wrote a story in the style of H.P. Lovecraft just to do it. That was pretty cool. I, uh... I worked doing different, um... I, I want to experiment more in writing in different tenses, because I usually just write past tense, but I... Yeah. Um, I've written in present tense, but, like... What would be like, what is it? Uh, you got first person, second person, third person? Yeah. Well, I've never written in second person, I don't yeah. think. That seemed, would seem kind of difficult. Yeah, that's a weird one. Hey, fourth person? Is that <laughs> one? I'll make one. Make a new person. Yeah, but I, I've experimented my writing a good bit, and I like doing it. And usually once a month, I'll try to write something that I don't write in that way at all. I figure that's a, that's a good method of keeping things fresh, keeping you creative, and just... I don't, just keeping things entertaining. And just because you just because you write it doesn't mean you necessarily have to do something with it. Well, like he said, yeah, you don't have to show anybody. But it it, it should. I at least I don't know like about you, but like I don't necessarily like if I would actually be able to you know get this off the ground. I don't want to be just like a sci-fi writer or just a horror. You don't writer. want to be a genre. Or, writer. Yeah, I just want. I want to be able to tell different kind of stories. No matter the the genre, or you know, I just want to make fun, entertaining, good stories. If it's a if it's a romance story, well, or so be it. Like one, uh, or I, as you so agilely pointed, if it's if it's fuck fic, you know, I want it to be the best, you know, fuck, fic. fuck fic that it could be. I uh, I think it was last year, the year before, I did um, for the website uh, flash fiction series. I think it was like Twelve Nights of Dreams or something. Yes, and yeah. it was story like kind of short flash fiction pieces based on dreams I had. So they didn't really necessarily 
have a direct meaning, like a beginning, middle, and end with a necessary, like a theme you can actually follow. It was, it was an experimental series, and it did decently well, and I had fun writing it. Just it was something different. And I think, uh, like, I would urge all people just to give your hand at something. Try your hand at something you're not necessarily either good at or just something you haven't tried before. Comics, for instance. Because, I, again, to bring it back to, like, the workout analogy, like, it's uh, it's a different muscle group that you're working on, and it can only make you better yeah, as I mean, a writer. I mean, that would be my top recommendation when it comes to the experimenting, is just do things you aren't comfortable with. And you don't ever have to even let anybody read it. Just try it out. Just see, because one, you never know what'll work. You could be one of those people who shuns romance, and then one day you just give it a try, and it turns out, oh wait, I'm a really good romance writer. Yeah, and then you never know when you're screwing around with something like that. Like that particular thing might not lead to something, but then that might spark an idea for something else. Exactly. That you can then you can use later on. Number eight. Well, this one's a real doozy. I don't know if anybody can fucking keep up with this. Read. Yes. He says, read everything you can lay your hands on. By the way, um, most of these topics were covered in Stephen King's On Writing. So how original is Mr. Nick Gaiman? Again, is he just recycling <laughs> other people's work? Da, 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 da. I, we need a drum machine. <laughs> but cha Well, I have an FX thing on here we could use, but I don't know how to use it. All I know how to do is make our voices echo. <laughs> Well, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. For our Halloween podcast next year, we'll do that. Everything's just going to be echoes. Spooky. (laughs) Anyway, he says, read everything you can lay your hands on. Read the classics and whatever areas of writing you want to work in so you know what the high points are. Read outside your areas of comfort so you know what else is out there. Read. I really follow the rule of reading the top work in any genre, especially like a sci-fi or a horror or something like that, I will look to find what the top books are and read those purposely just to see where that bar is set. Yeah. So that way I know it gives you kind of a level of where your writing is and you can kind of judge compared to their, not that you necessarily want to judge yourself compared to especially somebody like a Stephen King, but you can judge yourself in a way that'll be productive and positive for you. So you'll know, okay, this is how awesome this story is. Maybe if I follow some of these elements, like the way he wrote, I can build myself up to that level. I know where the bar is, and maybe I can clear it one day. My only caveat to that is, and I wanted to, I almost brought this up earlier whenever we were talking on a different topic, but looking at the list, I wanted to wait until we got to this about the, the, how we talking about like sac- making sacrifices and stuff like that. Right. You want to make sure you're not reading too much. To influence your work. To influence your work or just to take up your time writing. Like, you know, you have I- to strike a good balance. Because like I know a lot of whenever, like, you know, I've read a lot of interviews and watched a lot of interviews of comic creators, both like writers and authors, authors, or just even like, um, uh, Kevin Smith, I've heard him say this multiple times of whenever he went to go to make cloaks and stuff, and then, you know, started to get what he was steadily putting at work, you kind of have to, like, like, you know, he sold his comic book collection, and as of now, like, he, you know, he's still a huge fan of the medium and stuff like that. He might not be able to follow it as much. Yeah, as like, he, he doesn't, his, like, his weekly pool thing went into, like, just doing to doing to doing to, like, then there's, like, you know, pretty much nothing. 
So to go back onto a previous topic of like sacrifice, sometimes you might have to sacrifice those things as well if you want to. Well, what I've done in, just in my personal life, I because I read every single day, you know, usually novels, and what I do is I try for maybe like to limit it to maybe an hour unless I have extra, some extra time or something. Yeah. Because for a while there, I would get into a book and I'd really like it. I'd read for three or four hours when I get home. I obviously I don't get any writing done. Yeah, that's that's just not good. And two, especially when you read in you know binge sessions like that, that whoever you're reading, depending on the genre and how it relates to your work, it might bleed into your work. That or just even like I don't know about you, but like and if if I've enjoyed it, but like I know like I've gone into like big reading binges, and at the end of it, you're just like I don't want to do nothing. I'm it tired. Ca- yeah, it like- can definitely sap your creativity too because. Unlike TV, you're the one creating the pictures. Yeah. You're creating the images, so you're using all that creative energy in somebody else's work that you're reading versus your own work. Yeah, you just you, you don't want to make sure that you're consuming more than you're creating. Yeah, you have to strike a good balance. I think an hour a day is a pretty good uh, like that's a pretty good bar to set because you're not overdoing it but you're still getting a decent amount of reading done because before i was reading about a novel a week but that's kind of hard to keep up if you're trying to write yeah. too well and that's like that i mentioned previously about i just finished the magician's trilogy you read that pretty quick right I, yeah i read all three of those within like about like a month maybe a month and a half which is super fast for me right you know but i can tell you within that time period my writing went yeah. No. No. Granted, I could. The only thing I could maybe um, say is that you know I was using it to help write a thing for the website that will be out later, depending on when this episode drops. I'm not sure. It'll be the week before this drops. So you can look at it like a compare and contrast between the series and the books. So I can kind of use that as an excuse to not write anything, but it's still not a good excuse. I try to think of my reading now more as watching TV, where, I mean, it's a more beneficial version of that, but still entertainment, but if you overdo it and you're slacking on your writing, then it's becoming a problem. You have to limit it, even if, even if it's beneficial, even if it helps your writing, you still, you can't, I mean, you you think, oh, you can't overdo reading. That's a good thing for you, but you really can. Or maybe what you need to do is, like, use it as the reward. I I did my 25,000, you know. Yeah, hit your word count. Yeah, yeah, so now I did that. I was able to get a little bit of extra. I got some time before I got to go to bed. Maybe I'll try to get the next chapter of this, you know, this book done or whatever. Yeah, that's a really good idea. What I usually do is I read before uh like on my lunch at work yeah i'll uh because before i used to write on my lunch at work but now i'll read that way when i get home and i have more time yeah i'll use that for writing and then before i go to bed i'll read when i'm and in then, bed and then you don't feel as because i know sometimes whenever because i've done many of like a an article and stuff like that on a break or lunch and you kind of you, you feel kind of rushed like i want to try to get as much as this done before i have to go back and then it might hurt the quality yeah. Um, now, granted, you can always go back and change and things like that, but as I stated earlier, my editing and going over things aren't the greatest, so... Dog shit. Dog shit. Big steaming turd coming out of a dog butthole in the deepest winter night. 
to the steam coming off of it. Steaming. <laughs> no flies, though, because... It's just winter, yeah. No, no. All right. Uh, number nine. Live as much as you can. This is something I had written about in a... I can't remember. What was that article? Was it... Uh, no, it was actually... I think it was called Go Out and Do Shit or something like yeah. that. Yeah. It was not so crude, but it was pretty much if you want to be a writer... You have to have experience in real life. Isn't that isn't it like isn't that the whole like Hunter H. Thompson like Yeah, the Hunter S. Thompson lifestyle was uh he might have did a little too much. Yeah. But yeah. go out and do some shit that's worth writing about. I think Ben Franklin said that something along the lines of you have to do things that are worth writing about or don't what is it, um they always say if you had a book of your life, would anybody read it? Yeah. Well, if you're not doing anything interesting, what the fuck are you gonna write about? While you do have your H.P. Lovecraft types who were shut-ins, who just were really creative, for instance, how many sex scenes did H.P. Lovecraft write? I read zero in yeah. his whole collection. Like, how many uh, romantic interludes or um, things between men and women did he write about? Or any kind of realistic relationships between men and women? None, because he didn't have that. He didn't have that experience. Yeah, I think he had a woman at some point, but he was very awkward and like that. Or even just with uh, a lot of people say his work was racist because he was very racist because he was scared of anybody that wasn't like him because he never went out. So how would he write about interacting with different people of not even necessarily different ethnicities, just different people in his neighborhood? Or just even, like, I don't know about you, but if there's ever, like, I know there's been time where I'm, like, I've gone and sit in front of, like, a, you know, the, the old laptop, and you're trying to get something out, and you're just like, oh, what's the point? I'm, you know, I'm dumb, it's useless, why why even bother? But if you're out having those, those experiences and having, like, a good time and really living, it will affect you emotionally and mentally enough in a way that it might make your writing easier or, or not so much of a, like a pain. When you do things in your real, in your real life that are like the kind of things that really stick with you and you're a writer, you want to tell those stories. For instance, like uh, Jack Kerouac, um, he wrote like on the road or the book I read recently of his was, uh, uh, Dharma blues. And that was about, like, a big chunk of that was about him spending time in the mountains. Uh, he, was, he got a part of, like, a fire patrol or something. So he lived by himself in, like, this little hut thing in the mountains. Uh, not Big Sur, but something like that out in, like, uh, Oregon or somewhere. It was about his experiences, like, hitchhiking across America and things like that. I think that's, from what I understand, most of Jack Kerouac's work is just about him, you know, hanging with hippies and the beatnik crew of his day and drinking and stuff like that if he didn't do any of that he probably wouldn't even have been a writer because what he have written about like that yeah. those things really deeply affected him more like a john steinbeck a lot of his work is influenced by growing up in uh california and just the things that he experienced in his life or like a hemingway he went he was in world war one he uh, was a ambulance driver in italy and that's like his first three or four novels were about that, about living in Europe and the things he did in Europe. So if you really want to be a writer, unless you're just super, super creative, because obviously uh, going back to Stephen King, he wasn't 
ever a clown in his life killing yeah. people. For if I remember correctly, there was some weird fucked up things that happened in his childhood that could have yeah. influenced his, his own outlook. Again, a lot of the things he's experienced, though, or even just something simple like uh, 1408 about staying in creepy hotels. Yeah. Like, that's easy. and Like, just that's an easy thing. You're not really doing anything crazy. You're just staying in a creepy hotel. Or just a basic hotel, and you just think, man, you know it would be creepy if this thing was haunted. Yeah. And then there you go. There's a story. It just You have to go out. Like the article I wrote, you have to go out and just do things. If you just wake up, go to work, come home, take care of the kids, go to bed, what the fuck do you have to write about? And not saying that that's not a good life or anything for the people who, who that's what they're doing. It's just, it makes it difficult. To, to tell stories. Yeah. You just, the best stories, in my opinion, are the ones that have a hint of truth to them that come from a personal's personal experience. Like, any story that's really worth merit usually comes from the heart in some way. You know, whether it be a Stephen King writing in a Pet Cemetery about, you know, Gage gets hit by the truck. Yeah. Well, that stemmed from a real-life incident of one of his sons almost getting, like, there was a yeah where he lived there was busy traffic and that was his biggest fear and that scene whether it is in the book or in the movie really really affected people or to anybody who's read his doc tower series in the past couple books they uh, he actually introduces himself into the series into the series and they go over him getting hit by the you know drunk driver by the drunk driver so like if that never happened, who knew? Who knew how like those others that you know the rest of that series might have turned out? Yeah, I mean that's really putting yourself in the work, and that's what you have to do. Because I find a lot of the authors, even the authors I follow on Twitter, the main problem with a good bit of them is they're not putting themselves in their work. A lot of them are telling Game of Thrones type stories and things like that. Which is fine, you know, especially in like a fantasy genre or something. But even so, you still have to put yourself in the work or how is it original? Yeah. Because even H.P. Lovecraft, like I said, he didn't get out. He didn't really experience things, but he still put his lack of experience in his books. Like I said, the racism and stuff. That's why everything was coming from outer space and it was scary and strange and it was foreign to him. Like he was writing from his personal experiences and his personal views. But he was putting it in more of a creative way. I mean, even going back saying you do just work most days. You go to work, come home, take care of the kids, go to bed. You can still write about what happened at work or maybe what your fears are for your children. Like yeah. what, what would be the something that really scares you or what's something you really cherish? What are those little moments that, like, you know, your kid brings you a macaroni art from school or something and they say something cute and funny and that just touches you? That's something you can share with people, but you have to stop and recognize those moments and be able to bring them back and have an audience connect with those. Yeah. All right. Number 10. Be clear. You know, I feel not all famous authors follow that. Oh, no. Just bring back H.P. Lovecraft. Be clear. Motherfucker, I read a whole story where I didn't know what happened. (laughs) Or uh, Edgar Allan Poe. I've read many stories where, like, Wait a minute. This whole thing is in French. What the fuck am I reading? <laughs> um, he said, Neil Gaiman says on the subject, don't obsess over grammar. Good tip. Yeah. But also, pay attention to grammar. Yeah. Please, for yeah. your editor's sake, yeah. at least watch the grammar. You don't have to obsess over it, but put together some solid sentences. 
if you have to obsess, obsess over clarity. There you go. Yeah. Write as clearly as you can. When it works, there's a magic in writing. You can get an idea out of your head and into someone else's. That's your goal. I find, like, especially, for instance, just a story I'm working on right now. I was, uh, I wanted to write something for today for, like, a flash fiction piece. But, of course, I wrote it last night. And, uh, of course, it went fucking too long, so it's not flash fiction. So I'm like, well, I guess I'll just post it Saturday. But a problem I was having, which is honestly not a problem I have too often. I was kind of writing it fairly fast because I wanted to be flash fiction. I was trying to get it out. And then I ended up saying, fuck it. It was, uh... There was good chunks of it that just didn't make sense. Like, I wrote the sentences, but I would either focus too hard on them. So, like, there was a sentence, uh, like a guy, he, he his girlfriend's locked in the bathroom. She's upset with him because he was cheating on her. Simple sentence, right? Yeah. Well, no. My stupid ass had to go, well, maybe he went through the living room and then he picked up a sofa or straightened that and he picked up a cell phone and he walked over and he took off his shoe. Like, who the fuck? That, that, it's very convoluting. Like. Yeah, not needed. Or here's a better one. To prove his uh, love for her, she, because he was messaging some other girl on, I didn't say what it was, but like something like Instagram or yeah. some dumb shit. He was messaging another girl and she wanted to, him to stick his dick in a glass of ice water and she would take a picture. Now, just, just to give you the payoff because it's going to be posted tomorrow, which means by the this publishing of this, it'll be two weeks old. She uh, took a picture of his dick because she wanted to keep it on his phone as blackmail so he'd be faithful. But what she actually did was take the picture on his phone and send it to everybody in his contacts. Cool. Cool. Literally. A cool thing to <laughs> yeah. do. But uh, <laughs> I, I had him, like, he was grumbling about it. He didn't want to obviously do it, but he, like, why is it gonna be in the thing of ice? Like, yeah, well, to make it small. <laughs> I know why, but yeah. that's, if I'm, like, I, okay, I went into a shrunk I'm, I'm like, can you, you can take a picture of my dick? But can it just be like a, a normal flaccid? Like, this? no, it's gotta be embarrassing. That's why. <laughs> oh, and, and don't don't shave your pubes for a while Have either. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I had it set so you know he's gonna stick his dick. He's obviously gonna be grumbling about it, but he goes through with it because he wants to show that he loves her. And if it was a longer story, probably going, how oh, he's a piece of shit with no job, no place to stay, something like that. I didn't go into all that, but he, uh, what he ends up doing is he goes, gets a glass of ice water, sticks his wiener, takes a picture, right? My initial sentence for it, for whatever fucking reason, was, oh, he walks through the living room, he goes to the kitchen, he takes the ice out of the freezer, puts the ice in the glass, he fills it with cold water from a jug, puts the jug back in the fridge, lunch, you know, takes the glass of water, goes back to the bathroom, puts it on his... None of that was needed. That was just that was just that was just somebody trying to hit a wood count there. Yeah, it is horrible. And I see writers do that, which is like uh, we've had submissions where I tell like, people like, "Hey, I'm right, sorry." Like, like hey, we don't pay you by the word. We don't pay you at all. But if we did, it wouldn't be by the word. Writing tip from Caleb James: Do not describe everything a person is doing. It's not necessary. Yeah, because you could have just been like. So and so made his way to the kitchen to get the cold glass of icy water. Being. I ended up saying he went, got ice from the freezer, put in the glass, filled the water, went back, or something like one sentence long, not five. What I see a lot of people do is they describe every action, every event, and for instance, unless it really has something to do with the story, I've seen people like say, say somebody's pouring a glass of whiskey. You can easily say he pours himself a glass of whiskey and he takes a sip grimaces and then you go back into the dialogue right yeah normal flow good flowing story but i've seen people say oh he pops the whiskey with great force 
and then it almost blew him back, and he pours in his glass with a slosh, and it swirls around the glass, mixing... Here's the clank, clank of the ice against yeah, the glass. clank of the ice, and the, el- the aroma of alcohol mixes with the sweet air and causes a sickening sweet... Like, whatever it is, some stupid shit. The only time that's acceptable is if that actually means something. Yeah. If, like, for instance, the alcohol was poison, like the whiskey had poison in it, well, then maybe there's a reason you're focusing on him making that glass of whiskey so much. That's a good way to do it. So, for instance, somebody has poisoned food, and you're talking about, like, two people out eating a meal. You're barely going to describe them eating the meal, right? Yeah. But if that, like, his sandwich is Well, let's if you're J.R.R. Martin, who, yeah. who, who goes on, pay, like, chapters of the food that they eat, but... Again, that's completely unnecessary. But if you are described like you want to put that that food as poison, you really want to get the tension built up. He puts it to his lips, but then he starts talking and doesn't bite. And then he slowly starts to bite it, and he's chewing and chew. Don't. That's the only time you really want to focus on that when it actually is important. Yeah. But otherwise, cut all that extra shit out. Just be clear and direct to the point. That's where something like the Hemingway editor, which is an app you can buy for. 20 30 bucks or something is good because i mean one it gets rid of all that well it shows you all the adjectives you put in and things like that but it'll show you by like your sentences if they're too hard and if they're really hard to understand like it puts them in two categories so if it's a difficult sentence you might still keep it a lot of times like you just use multiple commas or something it'll do that but if it's like a sentence that reads very poorly for the most part it'll flag it so you'll be able to know and it'll tell you like your what uh, reading grade level your work is at so like fifth grade reading level is normal like just for like people in fifth grade could read your work yeah. and understand it but if you're a fucking Alan Moore all of a sudden you gotta be a master's degree you know you have to have a PhD to read it and that would still even be difficult I'd imagine right here's one that's kind of important this is one I never honestly could say I thought about at all number 11 be kind to yourself he says Apparently nothing. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, all it says is fail, fail again, fail better. So there's no, no, I'm not reading that. But be kind to yourself is kind of simple. And like you actually brought it up earlier when you were saying, uh, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm fucking dumb. Nobody's going to want to read this. Why am I even doing this? If you have that attitude, you're not obviously not going to yeah. succeed. You're not going to go anywhere. And everybody goes to those periods. I do that at least once a month. I'm like, why the fuck am I continuing? Why am I working? Like, are people really enjoying my work? I, mean, I don't know. You can't, I mean, it's natural to have those thoughts, but you really got to push them aside. And, and especially whenever you get to the point of having some fans and stuff like that, you always hear uh, the phrase, uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah, imposter syndrome, so, why am I doing this? Like, I, I should, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Um, if I did get anything good, it's, it would just happen to be by luck or, you it know. It wasn't by your actual merits. Yeah. See, you definitely have to be kind to yourself. And the best way that I would say you could be kind to yourself without being like a, you know, building up your ego Kanye West style <laughs> is to, uh, you know, cutting off Taylor Swift people. Like, go up to Stephanie Meyer. I'm sorry, Stephanie. Twilight was a great book, <laughs> but uh, Fifty Shades of was much better. They had yeah. fucking butt plugs. Yeah. They had a butt drawer. <laughs> but I would say that the best advice I can give about being kind to yourself would be, um, God damn, I started talking about butt drawer. <laughs> Talk about ham or bacon or something for a minute, I'll think here. Uh, well, 
Well, I would say on on the topic about being kind to yourself is also realizing if, say, if you do do something and it quote-unquote fails, there's still something you can learn by that experience of doing that, and you can take that moving forward into your work. And being kind to yourself, you might also want to try being kind to others, too. Because you never very good point. Because you, you never know who's struggling, who's not. struggling, and who you might might need a favor from later. It might you know there could be a writer that you that you knew who maybe he's working on a collection of short stories or something, and they need another writer, and you know they, you he out. he might recommend you, but if you're just being a complete toolbag all the time yeah, to won't. people. They'd be like, well, why would I? I'm not going to help that asshole. Why would I, you know? So you just kind of, you know, be nice to yourself and the community at large. That's always a good advice. Just be kind. And then that's with anything. Writing, life. Try not to be the asshole. And this is coming from a big asshole. Try to be the... Try to be... Less of an asshole. As much as possible. Well, my biggest uh, tip, just for being kind to yourself... It's just think about this. You're doing something not a lot of people can do. Yeah. Because trust me, Facebook alone will tell you a lot of people can't fucking write at all. Yeah. Like you just read people's thoughts that they spew out. They just can't write. They don't have that ability. And let alone tell stories. I'm just talking about actual just sitting well, down and writing a coherent paragraph. Or just talking. Or talking. I mean, how many times do you... I, I mean, everybody does it, but how many people do you just... Every other word. Like, 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 and, and you never get to the fucking point. Like. <laughs> I mean, we like say. Like this podcast. Yeah, like, like. I mean, everybody says it, but I've talked to people where every other word was like, and by the time I got to the fucking end of the story, I was like, what were See, you even talking about? I find myself a lot like that with, with fuck. You fuck, fuck as fuck, a fuck, transition fuck, word? Yeah, yeah. So I was fucking saying to this guy, right? This fucking mama, Luke. I don't understand you, why you fucking had to go and build yourself a fucking house made a lot into the Wasn't that uh, George Collin who had a bit about how like fuck is the most useful word in the in the human language and how you can use it as an ab, a verb, and it, you know you, you you can use it for everything. It's the most you can really use it for a lot. You can use it as a noun, but you know you can use it calling somebody a fuck. You could use it as an action of not just fucking, but, you know, <laughs> you're fucking doing something, you're fucking, you want to fuck. Like, there's so many uses. Dude, quick sidebar. I remember a couple months ago, you posted on Facebook about this comedian. He was from, like, uh, overseas somewhere. The shit one? Yeah. I think it was shit. It Well, this is part of the story. So I think it was shit and how, like, you can use shit for everything and that, and he was kind of almost playing, like, the dumb foreigner who doesn't understand. Yeah. Well, since I watched that, like, whole video and liked it and stuff, like, the next day or a couple of days later, the, a video popped up just on my feed as, like, a sponsor thing of him doing that exact same word, but with ass or something. That fucking shit. Yeah, and then I was just like, I was all as hesitant to like tie you in it or something like that and be like, should have. Because I, I liked that. I thought that guy was fucking hilarious. And then he just to see him doing the exact same thing, just with a different word. I was just like, oh, this motherfucker. Like, I just. For the folks listening at home, I honestly don't remember that guy's name. I think he was Australian. And maybe that was it. Or something like that. Or 
But his bit was how you can use shit for anything, like in, like in America. And, uh, you know, I'm taking a shit. I don't, but you can take a shit, but you don't give a shit. Yeah. And it's just like things like that. And you said he used it for ass. Something like and he used it for a different a different word. I think it was ass. Because well, you're talking about having a big ass, or you're a, uh, a tight ass, or well, you can be like you have a big ass, but then you can also have big ass rims on your yeah. car, and things like that. Well, just since we were talking about shit and ass, many topics. Brought I up. want to bring, and we're talking about recycling bits. Not this has anything to do with anything, but people <laughs> like fucking people like. That motherfucking Jeff Dunham, and he uses the same jokes he used fucking his whole career. He doesn't change anything up, and it's shit ass. His work is shit ass. I don't care what anybody says. And I think he got divorced from his wife, and it turns out she wrote most of his jokes, and now his work is really shit ass. And I just don't understand why that man is so fucking popular. Puppets. Yeah, the puppets. And he's number one in goddamn Middle Eastern like countries. Number one comedian. And his main thing is like a a. a explosive dead terrorist puppet and a racist old guy and and a retard like a re, like a like a mentally handed handicapped southern guy and then like the old guy who doesn't ah, everything's cranky and i'm a curmudgeon guy I'm old. yeah you know and what? it makes it the, the fucking the racist mexican jalapeno on the sticks you know what? I'm going to stop because I don't want to give Jeff Dunham any more. Because for all the millions and millions of the Rocks, the millions and millions of listeners at home, the Drunken Pen and Ready Podcast, because mm-hmm. we have so many followers on this podcast, episode, what is this, five? <laughs> I don't want to give Jeff Dunham any, any more goddamn credit in the, you know, any exposure that we can. Next topic. Point is, I just don't like Jeff Dunham. Never have, never did, never will. Number 12, get outside your comfort zone. Neil Gaiman says, reading outside your genre will stop you being trapped by convention. What? Reading outside your genre will stop you being trapped by convention. Okay. Wait, here. See, again, it has a quote in blue, but it's not attributed to him. So maybe this is the site saying this. Maybe. Trying to throw there. So his actual quote is, if you like fantasy and you want to be the next Tolkien... Don't read big Tolkien-esque fantasies. Tolkien didn't read big Tolkien-esque fantasies. He read books on Finnish philosophy. Or philology. Philology. Philology? Is philology a word? P-H-I-L-O-L-O-G-Y. It's good enough for me. I thought philosophy, but no. Philology. I'm about to look that up. Go and read outside of your comfort zone. Go and learn stuff. Well, that's, this is when they might have been kind of stretching here to the end, because that's kind of a mixture of like... Reading and then like writing outside of your comfort zone, like you know that that kind of seems like a mixture of multiple topics just to try to make it an even true twelve. But I mean, it's still kind of steady, you know, advice. Well, before we go into that, just because I'm a dumb American, philology. Let me see the pronunciation. Philology. Philology means the branch of knowledge that deals with the structure, historical development, and relationships of a language or languages. I don't know why I've never heard that word before, because I read a lot of scientific journals. So that's very strange to me. But anyway, yeah, I mean, that's kind of... I don't know. Does that go with any of the other ones there? I thought that kind of piggybacked on something he said already in this. Well, like I said about, like, the reading, making sure you read, making sure um, you change up your, you know, your... Yeah, that's what I thought like about reading, all, you know, different genres and stuff. I kind of thought that piggybacked on that. you got to get out of your comfort zone. 
we pretty much talked about that ad nauseum already. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to, you know, experiment. That's what that kind of piggybacked on, experimenting with your writing. Well, got to get out of your comfort zone. That's kind of anti-climatic way to end that. Well, I mean, we I think we gave them a good amount of... Uh, Info there. Yeah. I, well, I only read, I think, the first six on that list when I found it, but I yeah. thought it was pretty interesting. And I, I actually, I've seen a more detailed list on, like, YouTube or something. So, I figured that'd be something cool to go over that people would enjoy. Um, sorry if it wasn't as entertaining as the Fifty Shades of Grey reading. You we have, hope, oh, as as recording this before it actually drops, as entertaining as we hope it's gonna be. Yeah. If, if, if it wasn't entertaining for you, at least take solace in that it was super entertaining for us to do. Yeah, we recorded that. That was one of the last ones we did, wasn't it? Before our break? No, we did like a few more. I lost some podcasts, like I said, in the transition to my new laptop. Some got corrupted. But uh, they were mostly like brainstorming ones and stuff. But the Fifty Shades of Grey one, we recorded around the time the last movie came out. I think so, yeah. So between February and May of last year. But anyway, you haven't heard it after I, you know, yeah. I hadn't put it up yet. But when you listen to it, it is beyond ridiculous. Like, so anybody who's listening to this one but hasn't listened to that one, listen to that one. Especially if you like raunchy humor, because that one yeah, just went yeah. off the rails. Yeah, that's, bad. that's just, that's a fun one. I think we started it with, like, a butt drawer. Talking about just a, he has a yeah. drawer full of butt plugs and stuff. It's just, ugh. But the, the writing was so shitty. Like, any rule Neil Gaiman just told us, I don't think she followed. <laughs> nope. And just to know, anybody who listened to that one, you know, since it's coming after that, um, there was many things that we didn't even talk about that was on that list. We only covered a... Well, we covered all 50 of them. Did we cover we, all 50? Yeah, but we I thought we kind of just cherry-picked. No, we definitely covered all 50 of them, but some of them we didn't give... We just kind of read them and just let that shittiness... Just let it sit there. Yeah, and... we let that shittiness just kind of, like, the shit particles float through the air and go into the, you know, ether of infinity. We did not follow some of them because we were... We couldn't elaborate on something. Sometimes something is so terrible. You just you gotta leave it. Yeah, you can't really make it worse or even comment on it. It's almost it like... It just is. It's like when you have a bad B movie and it's funny because it's so bad. You can comment on that. You think it's funny, you make fun of it. Like The Room by Tommy Wiseau or whatever his name is. Like, it's so shitty and it's so bad that it's good. Yeah. But then you got movies that are just so shitty that they're just shitty. You just... You quit. You don't even watch them. You just give up. That's what some of those fucking categories were. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, we definitely have to be over an hour on this. I would think so. So besides my dog throwing a fucking basketball through the kitchen and, and squeaking a fucking cake, a cake toy or whatever it was and a helicopter. Uh, see, we had a Blackhawk fly overhead and shooting missiles. And I think that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah so, I, think, I think we covered some good topics and... Hopefully, maybe we have helped some expiring writers out there, you know? Yes. And um, when this episode airs, we'll still be on our open submission period. So, for anybody listening, we are accepting winter submissions. We've only had a few so far. This is our slow period. Most people are. Like, I haven't even seen a lot of writers putting out work lately. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. I kind of expected it because our Halloween period was booming. Yeah. I could barely keep up with reading everybody's work that was submitted. But the winter time, I don't remember if we tried this previously, but I, I know our views always drop off around this time. But if anybody's interested, if you have a winter-themed 
flash fiction piece, short story under 5,000 words, or a poem. Of, I won't even give a limit on it. Just any kind of poem. We have uh, more information on the website, drunkenpenwriting.com. But if you want to submit, feel free. Uh, our email is uh, drunkenpenwriting at gmail.com, which you can send work to. Um, you do have to have a cover letter, and the submission needs to be in the form of Word doc or PDF. And if you'd like, you can check us out on Twitter at drunkpenwriting. Not drunken penwriting because the E-N is too expensive or something. I don't know. No, really? Yeah, Twitter won't let us. I thought maybe somebody else might have had it or no, something. No, it's just too long. Too long? It hits the fucking character limit. Uh, either that or it could be drunken pen write it and that's uh, it. Yeah, so I was just wanted to Which maybe would have worked because it sounded like you had been drunk when you were trying to do it maybe, but. That's true. Um, I suppose I could change it, right? You could change your handle. You did. Yeah, yeah. So I could probably just make it DPW if yeah. I wanted. I know. We might get... I never thought about it. And you can also check us on Facebook at Drunken Pen Writing. We have a good bit of, like, people liking stuff and commenting, but to be honest, I, I hate Facebook. Yeah. Like, I share memes on my personal one all the time, and sometimes I'll rant about stuff, but I really have a problem caring about what most people say, and that carries over to our Facebook, like, the DPW page. Because for a while, like a good month, I was putting more original content, like longer pieces that you could fit on Twitter on there. And they were getting some feedback, but I just didn't have the energy to put forth to just keep it up. And maybe in the future we'll get like a fucking another person that's more interested in the social media aspect. But anyway, if you want to drop by, just leave us a comment, talk or whatever, you could do that. Hit us up on the website, Twitter. Um, Questions, if there's anything, uh, you know podcast wise a topic or anything yeah, like that you know. were always looking for ideas and it makes it a lot easier on us yeah or um i thought about too i don't know if i covered with you but i wanted uh i figured we could start maybe with the winter seeing how the winter submission period goes but start reading people's work on air yeah. like shorter works flash fiction or poems even and um uh, like i thought that would be fun just start doing that throwing those in the episodes and we also have a YouTube now, which so far we're only putting the podcast on, which you can also listen to the podcast, which you probably already are on iTunes or any podcast apps available to you. But if you wanted, you know, if you're a YouTube type of person. People do that a lot. Yeah. They, they, they we, get, we got decent views on the, so far on the podcast episodes I've uploaded. I just put like a generic maze video or something to go along so it's not a blank screen. And, uh. Yeah, if you want to listen to us on there, you can. If you have YouTube Red, I think you can close up, you know, turn off or have your phone on sleep mode or yeah. whatever, and it still plays. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. That's, that covers everything. So, thank you for listening. As always, just keep on writing. We'll keep on reading, and you guys have a good one. See you guys.